Good morning and God bless you. So good to see you today. So good to see you online. So good to be in the presence of God with the gathered assembly and the angels and Moses and Abraham and all the saints of God. We have not come to what can be touched. We have come to the heavenly Jerusalem. We are in the heavenly city. We are in the heavenly tabernacle and we are in the most holy place and God is there with Jesus and all of the elect angels and all of God's people past, present, and future. We can't see them now, but we know by faith we are there and they know we are there. And so that's one of the reasons why they call this the sacred desk. It's one of the reasons why we have the utmost gravity But that doesn't mean we can't use levity. We have seriousness, but we have joy. We have sorrow, and yet we have hope. And it's all based around the Word of God. This is not just containing God's Word. It is God's Word. So let's stand for the reading of God's Word. I'm going to read from the book of 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians... The first chapter, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, the words will be up on your screen there. I believe they show up online as well. I'll read verses 26 through the end of the chapter, and we'll title today's message, God Chooses Me. For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that, as it is written, let the one who boasts boast in the Lord and we do that Lord it is not our accomplishments it is not our achievements it is not our aims our desires or our developments our ups downs and all arounds it is about you you are the potter we are the clay and we are broken and open so that the power may be manifest that it was from God reveal your treasure through these jars of clay today This we pray in Jesus' name, amen, and you may be seated. Hallelujah, amen. So we all have thoughts, don't we? We have this undercurrent of things that are going on, and if you get in a certain situation, it happens, and it may be one of two ways. Maybe it sounds like this. Maybe you won't admit it, but maybe it sounds like this. I'm not like them. I'm smarter than they are. I'm stronger than they are. I'm wiser than they are. I'm doing better than they are. We won't admit it, but sometimes we're thinking it. Or the reverse. I'm not like them. I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not strong enough. I'm not tall enough. I'm just not enough. And sometimes pride and insecurity can be mixed together too. And that's why you're on the roller coaster sometimes. That's why I'm on the roller coaster sometimes. Because like, okay, I'm just going to hang out over here where I feel good. And then I get put in this situation where I don't feel so good. So now I've got to try to do And you make your whole life about your situation rather than Christ. And it affects people that are even Christians. They're going to heaven, but they feel like hell. 
Now, this passage can help you deal with pride and also help your feelings of inadequacy or illegitimacy. And when you feel like or are a failure. Understanding this truth has helped me tremendously, and I have to come back to it all the time. And I find myself needing to come back to it again and again. I can still have problems with pride. Don't say anything. And I can still have feelings of inadequacy. And sometimes I have that inadequacy feeling, and it comes forth as pride. Because I'm projecting, I'm trying to protect myself. And sometimes I am prideful, I'm inadequate, and I do fail. And I need help. And here it is. Here is what you need to hear, to learn, to love, and to preach to yourself. God chooses me. This truth, properly understood, which we'll put it in its place today, leaves no place for pride. It helps you see so clearly God's sovereign grace in saving sinners and sustaining saints is convicting, comforting, and nourishing. I need a dose of this medicine, not only to correct me, but to comfort me, and also to help maintain me, to steady my ship so that I'm in a big enough boat where little waves can't rock me so much. I need to be lifted up so that I would settle down. This truth properly understood will help you to stay humble and it will help to encourage you. Don't we need encouragement? Disappointment and discouragement. And you can only get so much encouragement in this life in the sense of if everything was actually perfect, you would have no need of seeing Jesus in heaven. But this is good medicine for your soul. God chooses me. And we're going to examine how this text clearly says this. And then we're going to apply this truth like medicine. Now, some of the Corinthians thought it was something about them that caused God to save them. And they were proud about it. If you know the book of 1 Corinthians, there's lots of stuff that's like that. Excuse me while I open up my big Bible here again. Praise the Lord Jesus. Well, even if they would acknowledge others as Christians... They thought themselves better than the others. They took pride in certain spiritual gifts. They took pride in their social status. They took grace as some sort of license to sin. Oh my. Just read the book of 2 Peter. That's what that's about. Grace is not a license to sin. That's the last thing Peter wrote before he was martyred. And he said, this is what you need to know. Grace is not a license to sin. And many of these have a false sense of assurance. Because they must have thought God chose them because of what they already are. But they already were. I had a platform in the world, so now I must have a platform on... mm. They weren't actually trusting in Jesus. They thought Jesus was trusting in them. Where's the pen drop on that? Now, come on. You know what I'm saying. We think that, you know, I'll do it. We think Jesus is... Oh, boy. (laughs) Paul points out that most of those God chooses are those whom the world wouldn't choose. I'm going to mention my my friend uh, Patrick Perry. Patrick Perry, and I ran into him years ago, after about 30 years, and we remembered each other right away. Now, he was a big, tall guy. He was in 8th grade. I was in 7th grade. And um, our school was predominantly black, and I was was just a little white boy. And that's all right. But, you know, I didn't get picked first, man. I didn't get picked first. 
And, you know, I, I grew a lot in high school. I grew a foot in high school, but I was less than four feet tall in seventh grade. I was really, really small. And I was sitting here. Here we go again. You know, I'm going to get picked last. And they're going to say, stand way over there. In 1970-something, there wasn't no three-point line, you know. But Patrick Perry chose me first. And it changed my life. And I used to think, well, you did it because you're so good, you want to show off how good you are. It don't matter who plays. You're, you're, he was over six feet tall already, you know. And we're, we're just going to post up on everybody. You can stand over there. But it wasn't that. He said, I chose you because I wanted people to know that you're worth something. Because I know you're worth something. You got a brain in that head. You you are nice to everybody you you know, and I chose you because I wanted you. That's why. And uh, boy, that just just changed my life. And then in ninth grade, Tommy Dixon, kind of same sort of situation, and he did. He said, "Stand way out here. Just learn to shoot that. Just learn to shoot that." And he would go into the hoop and toss the ball back, and I learned to shoot. So they started calling me quarter pony because I wasn't big enough to be quarter horse <laughs> and I used to run around the track real fast and all that and Tommy was football player and all that just just nice and then there was Barry Davis now I was on the wrestling team and I did very good wrestling but before I joined the wrestling team I was running into Barry Davis and Barry would sit when you're going into the uh like this and he was muscular and just Oh, boy. And he was mean. Everybody knew he was mean. I knew he was mean. And before I went back to hit the showers, he'd say, give me, your, give me your money. Every day, give me your money. And I did it two or three times. And the last day, he put his hand on me. And I thought, <laughs> I guess he wants blood, you know. I mean, I, I, mean, I got picked on a lot because I have a big old fat mouth, as you can tell. And, uh, you know, and, and there was just stuff, you know. I said, don't, don't ever do that. Don't, don't do that. I said, well, you know, I'm afraid of getting beat up. He goes, you're, you're going to be like that and always cave in and you don't need to. He goes, you may not stand very tall, but you can always stand. Amen. He was in like 11th grade <laughs> and he's saying that, you know. And I thought about those boys. And he said, I just want, he just, I just want to toughen you up. I just want, you know, you can do this. You should be wrestling next year. And, of course, we did extremely well and won several tournaments and all that kind of stuff. And, and he was always looking out for me after that anyway. So now, you know, I got the big, big bro, you know what I mean? It don't matter. But that always, that always stood with me. You may not stand, ever stand very tall, but you can always stand. And he chose me. I said, why me? He goes, because you've got this thing in you. He goes, you don't just have a brain. He goes, I see you doing that bench press. And soon, you know, I'm, I'm like 87 pounds, 90 pounds, and I'm benching depressing over 200. Then, Ben, I did two plates. I weighed 98 pounds and did 225. Yeah. <laughs> then by the time I got in college, I weighed 135, and I did three plates. That's 315. Don't ask me to do it now, man. Crush me. <laughs> but I, I did it. I'm not talking about spot or nothing. I'm talking about shh, shh, like that. But it's because... He put his faith in who he thought I was and who he was. And he was going to protect me. He was going to do this. He chose me. And because I knew that, it got the best out of me. And again, I met Patrick years later, and he was 
like the district superintendent over several Walmarts or whatever. And I thought, well, what do you know? He became a big success. Imagine that. <laughs> right? Of course, I was going back to school back time I mean, in my mid-30s and, and living with my mom and dad <laughs> and working at a pizza place that owned him like I used to. But he didn't judge me at anything like that. Of course, I had to tell him, oh, no, no, I'm good, I'm doing good, I'm doing good. But he said, obviously, God had us meet like this, and we remembered each other. He goes, well, you kind of look the same, J.D. <laughs> I said, Pat, but you, and, and he remembered, he remembered. And he goes, it made that much difference in your life. I said, yeah, because you chose me. He could do whatever he wanted, be whoever. He was, he was, you know, famous around our little circles. All, the, all those guys were. They were famous athletes. And I was little. How am I going to be an athlete? But then we, you know, ran state championship cross country, and we did wrestling in the state of wrestling and wrestled in college and, you know, lifted weights like a madman. And it all started when I was in seventh grade. J.D., and I, I think that we need some of that to hear that from God because we wonder. We think, I'm just doing so bad. How can we start doing a little better? Or how about when we don't and all that? So again, let's get back to where we were because this text will say this to you. It does say this. And Paul points out most of those people, does not, it doesn't say not any, but not many were these people that everybody else thinks is great. Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 says that when it comes to salvation, we are saved by grace through faith so that no one may boast. We've got a, uh, a nice little area with a big table, and everybody's going to be there today, my family, and we have a bay window, and above that, it has those very words. Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, so that no one may boast. Romans 3, 27 through 29 says our boasting is excluded because we're saved apart from what we do or who we are. It isn't something that God saw inside of you. Unlike what people do, and they see it, and they say, you could do good and all that, God puts himself in us. He told the Jews that I chose you, not because you're the biggest, not because you're the strongest, not because you're the most, but because I loved you, because I'm me. Oh, yes. But see, that was just a type and a shadow for all nations, tribes, and tongues. Can anybody hear me yet? says the Lord. When you feel insecure, you should remember that my accomplishments don't define me. Christ's accomplishments define me. And when you're proud about your position or you're smug about your current situation, you need to remember that accomplishments don't define me. Christ's accomplishments define me. Now look at verse 29. 1 Corinthians 1.29. If you're there, say amen. Let me read that. So that no human being might boast in the presence of God. And notice that first little phrase, so that. Now look at verse 26 and see that God does the calling. For consider your calling, right? And look at verse 27. But God chose. And again in verse 27, God chose. And then in verse 28, God chose. Now in verse 29, you see that God chose so that. No human being might most in his presence. He chose the weak to shame the wise. He didn't choose the lovely so people would look at them. He chose the unlovely so people would look at him. Look at verse 31. It recalls Jeremiah 9, 23 and 24. If you heard those, let me read it to you. Thus says the Lord, 
Let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man boast in his might. Let not the rich man boast in his riches. But let him who boasts boast in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, declares the Lord. Verse 31 starts again with, so that. Now look at verse 30. And because of him you are in Christ Jesus. You're in Christ because of God. Amen. And you see that wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption are gifts you got from God. You didn't earn them. You don't deserve them. The honor and privilege you get from being a child of God is because of Jesus. Not you. Boast in him. Not in yourself. Taking pride because of your salvation is corrected by a proper understanding of sovereign grace. It's a humbling truth. It crushes your pride. The only contribution you made to your conversion is your sin. Salvation is all of grace so that all the glory goes to God alone. Hallelujah. We want it that way. Amen. You can't think that you wear the Jesus jersey because you're good enough to earn a spot on the team. Uh Uh-huh. God didn't call you to salvation because there was something good inside you that wasn't inside of someone else. Or because there was something great that you could do for him that someone else couldn't. If there was no Martin Luther, there would have been another Martin Luther. Right? We can say that for so many people. Not that they're not going to get rewards out of them. Hallelujah. But you were somehow better, smarter, or wiser than someone else who didn't choose God's offer. No, it wasn't anything that sprang from you that caused God to save you. Are you born again because you believe? Or do you believe because you've been born again? It's the latter. God doesn't make you choose. He makes you alive. That's why you choose. If I had a rat in one hand and a billion dollars in the other, the only reason you choose the rat is because you think it is the billion dollars. But when God says, let there be light, and you see then you know, how could Jesus do miracles and dance in front of everybody saying, I'm the Messiah, and that they wouldn't have it. But then other people who had nothing to do with Jesus, they were Gentiles, and they ran to him. And mixed company from both. Why? Because if God doesn't turn on the light, there is no light. There's the light of conscience. There's the light of creation. But the light of Christ, the face of Christ is turned on by God through his word. How will they have faith unless there's someone to preach to them? Oh, this is going to get very good. You should be very encouraged. Here it comes. Think about God being God and him being in charge and him being in control and him being perfectly good and righteous and will do what is good and righteous. Don't think, what about this person? What about that person? We don't often say this in a sermon, but think about yourself and your relationship with God. As Ephesians 2.8 says, even your faith is a gift of God. As Philippians 1.29 says, and no one's beyond salvation, by the way. God can and does save all kinds of people. This is the point of this passage as well. Don't think, well, they're just too, they're irredeemable. They've been at this too long. They said no too long. They've done too many bad things. Behold, exhibit A. Look in the mirror and say the same thing. Paul said, I worked harder than them all. 
Then he said, well, I'm the least of the apostles. As he grew in maturity at the end of his life, he said, I'm the chief of sinners. Was he actually sinning more than anybody else? No. But what did he see? Himself compared to Jesus, not himself compared to other people. When you compare yourself to other people, you are immediately self-righteous. As Philippians 1.29 says, it's been granted to you that you should believe in him. You can't earn or merit salvation, and your choice to put your trust in Jesus was all of grace, hallelujah, because it's not how well you hold on to his hand, it's that his hand is holding on to your hand. Even if your hand slips, his does not. Amen, that's exactly right. Thank you, Jesus. As Romans 9.16 says, salvation depends not on human will, but on God who has mercy. And no, I don't know why God chooses some and not everyone, but I don't have to know. I know and I can trust that He knows what He's doing and I can look at the cross and know that He is good. And if you're a Christian, God save you despite the fact that you are undeserving, as undeserving as anyone else. Praise His name and now let's apply this text, this truth to your life. We're going to say the same phrase, God chooses me three different ways with a different emphasis. The first one is God chooses me this is a convicting truth it's a prescription to deal with your pride when you feel like you're somebody this truth helps you see that is not your greatness but god's grace that saves you when you feel like you're wise when you're powerful you're noble you're the right kind you're strong come back to this truth when you really have done something come back to this truth when you really are someone come back to this truth don't get shamed by thinking of too, too highly of yourself. Don't get brought down to nothing because of your pride. Come back to this truth. The reason you chose God is because God acted first. We loved him because he first loved us. Think about it. The all-powerful, all-knowing, all-seeing creator and sustainer of the universe chose me. Even if everyone and anyone else rejects me, God chose me. I mean, my father is, has Alzheimer's, and he's in a facility now. And we had him. He was really kind of getting bad for about three years, and then for the last three years we had him, and then now for the last year he's been in a place. And I know that he knows the Lord, but, you know, what's he saying these days? He doesn't, he doesn't say much. When I bring my babies there, they hug on them and all that, and he probably don't remember their name, but he remembers the love, you know. And sometimes he kind of does, right? But we think, oh, this is, you know, God has rejected this man. This life isn't worth anything. Just let him die. But God says, I see life. I see eternal life. Will you celebrate that? Despite all the other things, that's why this stuff happens. There is a purpose for children getting sick. There is a purpose for the wars. There is a purpose for all these things. It's not the devil, just the devil, as if God doesn't have Satan as his lapdog. It's not like that. Otherwise, you have a dualistic God. You have God and Satan, like that one here and one here and all that. And it's not like that at all. When those demons looked at Jesus and said, Are you here to come torment us before the time? They didn't want to show up. They were happy getting everybody to do whatever they wanted and dance with the devil and all that. And he goes, come on out now. Right? Not just to show that he had power over them and give us an example of how we're supposed to do it, but show he can do what no one else can. He had power over the darkness. He was coming to bind the strong men by what he was doing right then. 
He's not just giving us some kind of prescription. Oh, you can do this. What happens when it doesn't work? If you're binding all these demons, how come they still get loose? I'm not saying you, you don't put on the full armor of God, etc., etc. That's another whole teaching. The point is, Jesus ain't like anybody else, and we don't do what he did. Jesus Christ, same yesterday, today, forever. That doesn't mean we do exactly what he did. It means we're like him in his character, not in his power. Better learn that one. What happens when it all falls down? You're going to think, I don't have faith. I'm not giving enough money. You, you just give it to me anyway. Because <laughs> Psalm 119, 19 says this, or whatever it is. You know what I'm saying. You want to stop acting a fool? Stop listening to the foolish. Listen to what God says. Who is Jesus? He's what we aren't. He's what we're becoming like. But it's in our character. When you get shaken, what comes out? If I cut up an orange, one way, it's an orange. If I squeeze it, orange juice comes out. If I throw it against the wall, it's oranges. It's not grapefruit, it's not apple, it's not peach. When someone shakes your tree, what fruit comes down? This will help you. So what if they say this, that, and the other thing? I'm trusting in Jesus Christ. Triumph. If anyone and everyone rejects me, God chose me. Hallelujah. So God chooses me. God chooses me. This is a comforting truth. It's a prescription to deal with your feelings of inadequacy. When you feel like you're a nobody, when the person you're getting divorced with says you're a nobody, when your family, when my mother and father forsake me, the Lord will take me up. When your children run away. And you think of all that you didn't get with God till later in your life. And you think, well, you know, these promises aren't for me. God chooses me. When you feel like you're a nobody, this will help you see that God chooses what the world doesn't. When someone makes you feel like a fool, or you went and did something foolish, come back to this truth. When someone or something makes you feel weak, or you went and proved your weakness, or... Who's with me that's getting older now? Late 50s, 60s, whatever. And, and it, this thing in my leg just ain't going away. And I'm like, well, maybe it's because I'm sleeping this way. So I sleep on the other side, and I got some other kind of problem. <laughs> you take this pill, this pill, some point, put oil on you, woo you know, all that. Hey, you know, I'm not saying don't do any of that. I'm saying that at some point the car breaks down. No matter how many oil changes you get in that thing. Come back to this truth. When you're down low. Come back to this truth. When you're being despised, come back to this truth. You know, if, if you do social media, you do things like that, stop parading around bitterness. But remember this, too. Whether the comment is good or bad, it's a reflection of where they are and how they're processing, not on you. I, read, I was doing a sermon thing this morning, reading it, and, and some guy following all that, and he was talking about, you know, some great things. And one of the comments was, man, he was like a lion chewing up all that weakness in these people. And I'm like, I'm sure he didn't feel like that. I'm sure he wasn't trying to do that at all. But that person thinks, that's the kind of sermon I want to hear. <laughs> right? And somebody else would go, well, you know. And they're sensitive, right? Now imagine we got that and everything. Now you know my job. Got to wear the white and the black hat every single week. Pastor, it was the greatest sermon ever. Pastor, I'm leaving and I'm punching you on the way out. Little man. 
Try that kung fu now. But that's the thing. Don't we all have that? And you're thinking, I've got this thing. I'm going to tell mom and dad it's going to be so great. And then mom and dad go, it stinks. And you're like, but, but, and you meant well. They just didn't see it because that's where they're at right now. Yeah. And with each other. Hello, hello, hello. Hello. Three stooges, man. I'm telling you. When life gets you feeling like that's what's going on. What do you do? Not as a pride measure, but as a humility measure. God chooses me. So when the devil says, yeah, you're just a sinner, you can point at the cross and say, Jesus is the winner. He's won over me. That's how you get better, by the way. You know, when you first got saved, think about one of them big grandfather clocks. I'm a grandfather. And I'm like a clock. When's dinner? (laughs) All right? When you first got saved, smoking, drinking, cussing, whatever, you stop doing it. Or you said, oh, I'm so miserable. I'm so so miserable. Miserable sinner. You think, man, what a marvelous Savior. Miserable sinner. Marvelous Savior. But then you stop doing it. You really got better. You really were. And so it's like, okay, now it's, you know, miserable sinner. But, yeah, I'm not doing those things. And so the marvelous Savior isn't as big either. But when you see those things, like David says, against you only have I sinned. When he had all kinds of sin, he goes, this is the genesis of it. When Paul says, I'm the chief of sinners. The world will call that schizophrenic. God calls that healthy and holy. The further and faster that thing swings, the more healthy you are. Not to beat yourself up all the time, not that at all. To say, you know, if I got what I deserved, uh uh-oh. Not looking at anybody else saying, I'm doing way better than I used to. Hey, man, hallelujah, I hope so. When this happens, that's what will happen. You start to realize, not to make yourself feel bad about you, to make yourself feel good about Jesus. So when someone comes and says, well, you said that today, because people ask if I ever want to quit every Sunday afternoon. And going on into Monday, don't send me texts. I know you will anyway. But you feel like so bad and all that, and someone brings up your past, and you're like, I'm done with that, I'm done with that. Just let that thing kill the old man. And so you realize, because you have a bigger idea that sin is cosmic treason, as Dr. Sproul would say. Cosmic treason. But the Bible says the righteous are bold as a lion, and the wicked flee when no one's even chasing. So what does that mean? Because we're not that righteous. We're more righteous than we used to be. We're counting on the righteousness of Christ. When we're talking about Jesus... And people say, you don't, you, it don't matter about me. That's their issue. Who, who knows Jesus is righteous? Amen? Amen. Amen. Who, who's counting on Jesus? Yeah. yeah, you realize it's Jesus alone, right? But when you realize that, it's like a safety net under you. You can walk that tightrope. You can fall off as many times as you want. But you get right back up on that thing and you walk. Why? Because you're covered. And sometimes it feels like that. And it's like, why does God allow this? So you'll look back at him and go, whoo, God chose me. When you're feeling despised, when you have not, you show up to the meeting and everybody's dressed to the nines and you're wearing shorts. And you meant to not, you know what I mean. (laughs) Or the opposite. That one makes me feel worse when I'm all dressed up, you know. I don't even have black tie on. I got white tie on and all, you know, the the, the monkey suit or whatever they call it. And and, then, and whoa. It's like we're doing an outdoor wedding today. It's like, okay, I'm going to see what everybody's wearing. I know what I'm going to wear but I'll have a separate thing with me. Well, 
come back to this truth when you feel like you have not. Doesn't everybody ever get into a place where it seems like everybody knows what they're talking about but you? Everybody expects that you get it the right way, but you don't know. Then you talk to someone, and you talk to just the wrong person, and they snap at you. It's like being in the airport. We call it airport, my wife and I. They expect you to know what to do, but you don't know what to do, so they get mad at you because you don't know what to do. How are you supposed to find out what to do? You saying you never felt that way about God? Get the bottom, rock, bottom line truth first. Come back to the truth. God acted with special saving love towards you. He didn't just leave it up to you. He made sure you would be saved by choosing you. Oh, thank God. The supreme sovereign Lord, the one who matters most, made a choice. God wasn't stuck with me. God chooses me. God chose me. God chooses me. And finally, God chooses me. I've been at this church 20 years, and I've never said what I'm about to say. Someone say me. Me. God chose me. I can even dance to that, but I haven't unleashed that on you yet. You can ask my wife. Now that my mom and dad aren't around, we, we, oh, yeah. God chooses you. God chooses me. This is a nourishing truth. It's a convicting truth. God chose. It's a comforting truth. God chooses me. And it's a nourishing truth. Think about what I'm saying here. God chooses me. It's a prescription to deal with your failures and feelings of failure. It can help you with frustration, fear, loneliness, and despair. I need it today. When you feel like it's all on you and you can't handle the load, come back to this truth. When you feel overwhelmed, come back to this truth. When you feel like you're going to fail or you are failing or you have failed or you keep on failing, come back to this truth. Because it's not, well, he chose you, but now you, it's up to you. It's up to you. What kind of gospel is that? That blasphemes God. That diminishes his power and his sovereign responsibility. And his plan, how can he guarantee his promises if he's waiting to see what you do i mean god doesn't make you do things but he makes you alive that's why you do things or you act according to your old nature or you fight the problem isn't sin the problem is when you say it's not the problem isn't when you fight with sin it's the problem when you don't when you feel like it's all on you and you can't handle it and you have been failing you are failing and you know that you're going to continue to fail you keep on doing it come back to this truth even when you felt Feel like you let God down. I just can't go to church. I let God down. This is when you need to come. It's like, okay, you won't come because, you know, you think, you, you know, you, you shouldn't come. Okay, you should come. Well, th- that means if you're not here, then you're, you're beyond that when that proves you need to come. Oh, boy. I know. There's another whole sermon or two or ten there. You can nourish your spiritual and practical life with this truth. You don't have to prove yourself. If you've heard nothing else, hear that application. You don't have to prove yourself. God has proven his love for you. Let 
You don't have to prove yourself. God has proven his love for you once more. You don't have to prove yourself. God has proven his love to you and for you. Come back to this truth. Even though he knew who you were at the core, and he has seen all you've done, and he knows every thought you've ever had, when it comes to salvation, God chooses me. It's not a license to sin. It's a liberty not to sin. God chooses me. When I'm on top of the world, I need this help, this troop to help me stay humble. God chooses me. When I'm at the bottom of the well, I need this truth to lift me up. When you're in the hospital and you're young and strong and you think everybody doesn't, you know, you're not as needy as anybody else and they leave you in the... God chooses you. Are you going to reflect the truth of Jesus Christ today or show that old man today? Do you know what I mean by that? God chooses me. God chooses me. God chooses me. When I'm feeling like I just can't do it, I know that Jesus can and has and will. I need this truth to set me free. When everybody else rejects me, when I reject myself, God chooses me. You don't have to wonder if God chose you. If you want him, it's because he wants you. Do you want to be saved? Jesus will forgive your sin if you ask him. In John 6, 37, Jesus says, All that the Father gives me will come to me. Think about that. All, I mean, go backwards. If you're coming to him, it's because the Father has given him. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me, I will never cast out until they do something stupid. Right. It doesn't say that. That's exactly right. Let me read your life verse again. John six thirty seven. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. Hallelujah. Come to Jesus Christ today, and you can come to this truth for the rest of your life. I've been coming to it every few months because I need it. When I feel abandoned or alone, when I'm in a room full of people who definitely love me, and yet I don't feel love. I can know that love by knowing my Heavenly Father and Jesus Christ who came and gave himself for me because he loves me. And the Holy Spirit lets it ring in my heart again. My heart cries out, Abba, Father, and the Spirit cries into my heart, Abba, Father. I need you. You're mine. You're mine. I'm with you. God chooses me. Heavenly Father, I thank you because you're you, because you have chosen to show us your choosing. And I pray that people that don't know you and wonder, is this me? If they can admit that they're a sinner, if they can believe that you're the Savior, if they can confess you as Lord, my beloved is mine and I am his. Lord, help people to see that and to be that 
In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray and everyone said, Amen. Amen.